What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the CPA Zone, the podcast where we discuss tax strategies and accounting tips for entrepreneurs and real estate investors. My name is Ryan Pulis, and our company, The Pulis Group, offers tax planning and advisory services for entrepreneurs like you. Whether it's bookkeeping, tax planning, or CFO services that you're looking for, we've got you covered. What's up, everybody? Ryan Pulis here with another episode of the CPA Zone. Today, we have a special guest, Van Carlson, joining us. Van's the founder and CEO of SRA and has been in the risk management industry for over 25 years. Welcome. Nice to have you, Van. I appreciate you taking the time to come on the show. Uh, why don't you give us a little background about yourself and uh, fill in the listeners? Yeah, thanks, Ryan. Um, yeah, like you said, I've been in risk management for a little over 25 years. Uh, it's an exciting world. Yeah. Uh, you know, always fun to talk to business owners about their risk. Uh, but no, I, you know, I didn't plan to do this and for a living, but it, it's actually worked out for me very well and uh, solve a lot of problems for business owners. Um, and, you know, risk management is a, something that unfortunately gets ignored a lot in business because uh, it's, it's always the downside of things, not so much the upside. And if you're yeah. a business owner, entrepreneur, you're always looking for the upside. Right. Uh, but at the same time, there's opportunities in that stuff, too. So that's kind of where we educate our business owners. So I, I think I'm in a different level. Uh, I'm very, very uh, lucky to be where I'm at and doing what I do for a living. And I, I love it. And, and you know, talking about risk management and, you know, to taking on, you know, talking to, to the risk to risk people. Right. People that are willing to right. take on risk. And how do you mitigate that more effectively and efficiently and all those things? And. God knows we need to have risk takers in our economy. Um, you know, we wouldn't have, you know, everybody's taking risk. If any, you know, the age of information that we've got today at our fingertips, there was all risk taking, right? At one point or another. And, you know, every day, you know, we want, we want those people. We, we got to have them. So, but yeah. So that's the exciting part for me, man, is, you know, that's, uh, other than that, I like to do a lot of other things outdoors. I live in Idaho, of course. And so you live it out. If you live in Idaho, you got to do stuff outdoors. It's yeah, just- yeah, it's, it's like a requirement, I think. <laughs> yeah, I, I grew up in West Virginia, so same. I grew up with, oh, yeah. spending a lot of time outdoors. I live in Virginia now. We have some nice parks up my way, so still get a chance to enjoy it and uh, get out there when I can. Oh yeah, we got the fall going on right now, and it's oh, yeah, I love the fall. So yeah, that's that's my favorite season, and it's not because of football; it's just the weather. <laughs> <laughs> not that I don't like football, but yeah, uh, football can play a part in it. So yeah, it, it does. It just <laughs> the uh, this time of year, the weather. I love it. It's fantastic. Absolutely. So yeah, so the eight thirty one B. You know, um, I mean, Ryan. I mean, what, what you got a particular question for me out the box, or do you want me to dive right into the the exciting tax code of the eight thirty one B? Yeah, you know what? Well. Just as a kind of a, let's just briefly explain what the 831B is. It's it's a type of captive insurance plan for business owners to insure against various risks. Um, I guess if you if you want to just explain to us that there are the IRS has requirements that go into uh, operating these types of plans, the 831B plans, and there's a four part test that is required to stay in compliance, keep the plan in compliance. Can you just touch on that and explain what that four-part test is for the listeners? And Yeah, you bet. So one of the ways we help business owners kind of bridge this stuff is very similar to the 401k conversations. Um, most business owners are familiar with 401ks, how they operate. And of course, it's for their retirement and their employees' retirement. 
And there's testing, there's responsibilities for the business owners to provide these plans, and there's rules and regulations because the advantages to the 401k is can, you can expense your contributions at your business level, at your company level, and they stay tax deferred inside the 401k plans. Um, you know, more dollars to invest. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's, a, it's probably helped grow a lot of wealth for the middle class families in our country. Um, and it continues to. And it's done very, it's done very well. Um, similar to that, the 831B, the 831B is a little different from the standpoint. It's not designed for retirement. It's really designed for the risk management business owners retain on their books. And what we, when we start talking about that, we're talking about really an unfunded liability. Like, for, for example, when I go buy a building today, I can buy insurance on that building. I can buy it for fire, theft, vandalism, sudden accident, wind, wind, water damage, wind damage, vandalism. Um, all that stuff is physically covered. And then I can do a general liability for slip and fall and all that good stuff. Um, I can find a lot of traditional insurance carriers that want to insure that. Um, that's not a problem. Um, however, there's a ton of risk that I retain that I can't transfer you know, when I pay a premium to an insurance carrier, I'm transferring that risk of that fire to that building. Right. Uh, however, if I have a cyber breach, um, you know, if I have a dispute resolution, if I have brand protection, if I have supply chain risk, I have political risk. I have a lot of different other risks that I actually retain as a business owner that I retain on my own. Then that's really where an 831B can kind of fit the bill. And what that allows you to do is very similar to the 401k, you're able to expense a premium at the operating company level, drop it into an 831b, and that and then 831b keeps those dollars tax deferred and it can be invested and grows and everything else. Why? So you can take on and handle the risk your business your business is actually retaining. Now, getting back to the four part test, you know, there's a there's a risk there's a transfer risk, risk distribution, a fortuitous risk, meaning that is it risk that's really that you have that you've retained. Sure. And then the last one is, is it acting in the principles of insurance? You know, the, one of the things that this plan has to look like and feel like is an insurance company. Now, just like you would hire a 401k administrator to administer your 401k plan, you're going to hire an 831B administrator. And that's really what we do. That's our company. We manage okay. close to 700 plans around the country currently. I would say we're one of the largest uh, managers of 831B plans. And that's what we focus on. We want to make sure our clients are able to elect under the 831B and keep those dollars tax deferred. Um, unfortunately, the, like every code, it's been, you know, like every tax uh, code, it's been abused. Um, oh, yeah. And this one is no different. Uh, there's some bad actors in the place. And, and I shouldn't, I don't know if it's bad actors. It's just they took a code and really did something they weren't supposed to. And they use it for estate tax planning. And that's what put the pressure on the code. Uh, it was, you know, take the bite of the apple once, don't take it twice. And unfortunately, right. we have very creative people in our country. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we sure do. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, every word means something in a bill and a code. And, um, you know, they've, they've twisted, manipulated. And, you know, I, I, I compare this to water sometimes, you know, you can only dam up the water so long. It either goes around it, over it, or through it eventually. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what they've done. And, yeah, you, know, exactly. you know, to the IRS's credit, they've won some cases uh, that had bad facts in them and that were not done for risk management. They were solely done for estate tax planning. And and we don't play that game. I mean, we just we're pretty straightforward. Uh, we believe in our products. We believe in our concepts. I think, unfortunately, COVID-19 was a proof of concept. Um, you know, truthfully, Ryan, one of the biggest things that's helped us is just getting business owners to understand this code is. You know, we simply say every business owner should have their own PPP plan, but it needs to be self-funded. Gotcha. Um, 
And, and that's really kind of helped, you know, no different than the comparison of the 401k, the advantages to it, but also what is it trying to do? And it's really designing to, to um, have your own PPP or your own ERC or any of these other things. I don't think we can go out and do what we did, unfortunately, with COVID-19 uh, and repeat that incident. I think we're still fi- feeling the pain of that. Um, maybe, and maybe not the end of it yet. I don't know, but we'll see. But to me, it's it's a no brainer. If you if you got risks that you're retaining, and that's really where the conversations have gone. I would say, leading up to COVID, um, people were talking about the fi- the reason I got into it in 08 was the Great Recession. Okay, um, I just saw the financial risk business owners took, you know, to do their to do their job and to run their business, and it had to be a smarter and better way of doing this. And that's really when I got exposed to this. I saw a gentleman that had several of these plans, and I just saw what he was able to do, and I'm like. You know, why isn't more business owners doing this? Um, why? What? What is going on? What? And one of it was fees. It was very expensive. It's, you know, with competition now, it drives fees down. And I think it's gotten much more affordable for business, all any successful enterprise to look into this tool today than before before 08. I can tell you that it was it was too darn expensive and it didn't make sense for a lot of business owners. But today, I mean, it's the, you know, where you can put these plans, there's 35 states now promoting you to have these plans inside their states, uh, meaning that the domicile and all that, um, you know, there's a lot of advantages to it. And I think it, it, our mission, part of our mission as a company is to make this normal business practice. And I think we're headed that way. Okay. Awesome. Now, do you, with the clients you work with now, do you find uh, particular industries that tend to be more open to establishing plans in the current environment, especially following COVID. Yeah, I'd say the medical community, big time. Okay, yeah, yeah, they, they, that was you know the non-essentials. Yeah, uh, you know that was that that was pain. Uh, restaurants, a lot of franchise owners, um, and and we're seeing a lot of contractors, a lot of generals and subcontractors uh, right now too as well because they're concerned about the housing market. I mean, the amount of rules and laws that are put on these these uh, builders today, I mean, typically you got 10 years of construction defect now when yeah. you build a house or a building today, and, and that's an unfunded liability on your books and it, and you retain it. Uh, how do you manage that more effectively and efficiently is getting, again, putting tax deferred dollars away uh, that's you control and manage. And that's why the 831B came. When, when you look at, when you look at back at where the 831B came into existence, it's almost in the same market. I mean, this thing came into existence in 1986 Tax Reform Act. Okay. Um, right. No, you weren't even. Were you even born? You probably were born. Yeah, yeah I was. I was just a kid. <laughs> I was too. I was just graduated from high school. <laughs> and, uh, you know, but it was a big, big reform act. I mean, but you know, back then though, it was very similar in market. I mean, we had high interest rates. Insurance carriers were pulling out of markets. They were putting a ton more exclusions in their policies. More and more business owners found themselves self-insuring a lot of their own risk. And one of the big community was actually farmers. Farmers are self-insuring their crop insurance. Today, it's heavily subsidized and it's basically backed by the federal government completely. Um, but back then, it wasn't. So Congress got the great got together and said, "Hey, let's create an incentive." And they're you know, and now due to the PATH Act, nineteen two thousand, excuse me, two thousand seventeen. Yeah, that's when they got rid of. They cleaned it up for the estate tax purposes. They couldn't. It's much harder to play this as an estate tax play going forward after that, but they also increased the amount you can put into it. Um, when right. the bill first got passed, it was 1.2 million. 
Um, when the bill got passed on the PATH Act, made a lot of the Bush tax cuts uh, permanent through Obama's signatures. And then this is when they got introduced, uh, meaning basically your lineal descendants couldn't own these things anymore. And it, like I said, the state taxing got, got devalued. But they also increased it by a million dollars with a CPI rider. So good example, in 2023, you can put up to $2.65 million a year into these vehicles. Now, when I was asking about the fourth test, the principles of insurance, there still has to be actuarials. There has to be reasons why you're putting the premiums in there. Just because that's the, the limit doesn't mean you get to put that much into it. There's rules and regulations that we put in place and methodologies for the underwriting and all that good stuff. That's part of our admin duties to, for our business clients. But yeah, yeah. And that 2.6 million or whatever it is that you're contributing. The nice thing about it is that is a uh, deduction for the operating business. And then those funds go into the insurance plan, the, the, the corporation that's operating as the insurance company. And then it, that is, it's not taxable revenue. It's only the earnings in the investment income on those premiums that are subject to the corporate taxes. That's, that's exactly right. That, realize investment earnings. Yeah. So yeah, they, they'll, they'll always have to have a tax return done every year. Um, and it is a C corp. Uh, so, you know, the business owners are typically shareholders of that C corp and, or the business itself can own the C corp. Um, really depends on what we're trying to accomplish there. And we, and we work with other trusted advisors and C, their CPAs and everything else to come out with the best strategies there as well. Um, because you want to own, you know, it, this thing's, the idea is this thing will grow in value. Right. Uh, you know, and someday it just, it, you know, it obviously adds to your balance sheets as a shareholder of the corporation. So, yep. Yeah. And with anything tax, like, you know, the tax benefits are great. But the tax benefit should always be secondary to the primary purpose of creating the plan, which is to minimize your risk exposure. Would you agree? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's what we try to tell our clients is you, you don't want to let the tax implications drive your decision for something in a business. Because even when you get a deduction, that's still money going out. So you want to make sure whatever you're spending the money on, in this case, your premium dollars, are going to something useful for your business. And something that can minimize your risk would, uh, you know, qualify in my book as something useful for the business. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, you know, not only good risk management, I tell business owners, it's just good business, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, you take a little bit off the top during the good years. You know, one of the things that we, um, I would say the one from a risk management standpoint, from my level of working with business owners, the greatest compliment we can get from business owners is just simply saying, I just sleep easier at night knowing I've done your program and I've put away this money and I've been able to um, just sleep easier knowing that, you know, that this is handled um, like every insurance policy, like everything else out there. You hope you never have to use any of this stuff. It's right. never it's not going to be a good day. I promise you. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, though, you mean, you know, if you've been in the business long enough, you, you've been in those situations where insurance wasn't going to cover something and now you had to come out of pocket with it. And as soon as you start to, as soon as you start to erode that cash flow on unexpected expenses, and then you got the economy on top of that, maybe taking a hit, um, it put your company at risk. And that's the financial risk. I think getting back to more where I got in really compassionate, really passionate about the 831 B was what I saw in, in 2008, 2009, 2010. And then you fast forward to 2020, and now we now we're in 23, and we're still dealing with some of the decisions that were made um, by our politicians relating to, you know, sending out six trillion dollars to make believe money, and yeah. 
you know, what's the ramifications for that? I don't know if we fully understand all that yet. But meanwhile, this thing's been on the books. And, you know, just, you know, like I said, we love being on your guys' platform like this because it's an education thing, first off. It's knowledge. It's understanding that there's other tools out there. And that's, and that's all this is, Ryan, is a tool. Yeah. And yep, for the absolutely. it's a great tool. Yep. No, I couldn't agree more. One of the one other feature about the 31B plans is at a certain point, as your reserves accumulate, you can actually pay dividends to the shareholders of the corporation. Is that correct? Absolutely. So how, how does that work? Is there anything that triggers um, like a, you, um, there's like a minimum reserve requirement? And then if you're over overfunded, then you can make distributions, but it's not just willy-nilly whenever you please. Is that correct? Very similar to the 401k. 401k forces distributions as well, right? Uh, RMDs and all that fun stuff, right? Um, We do the same, but we do it in very, probably much more earlier stages. Um, You know, we're looking at three to five years. We're doing a solvency test, really depending on the type of industry you're in and how you funded. Um, But if you're not having uh, your claims or the pools aren't having claims and you know, does it start to feel like an insurance company that's paying claims or not? Um, and if it's not paying claims and you want to keep funding at the rate you want to fund, then we will force a distribution by year four or by year six. And it really comes down to the qualified dividend rates, right? So very similar to the capital. Well, dividends and capital gains rates are the same currently. Yep. And it'll be that for now. Yeah, yeah, for now. <laughs> for, for, yeah, for now, right? We don't, we don't know what that crystal ball looks like. But, you know, so there's the tax arbitrage, obviously, blah, blah, blah. But the reality, though, is, yeah, we're absolutely going to force a distribution and it will come out of form of capital, uh, capital gains, dividend, long term dividend rates. The these the deal about that, though, is a client can take a dividend up until any time during that time. Our, our operation side will do their financials and prepare their tax returns. And we hire a third party independent CPA firm to do all those. But. You know, we, we'll know what that dividend rate is. And so you're right. We're, we do give a ratio for that. So every do, every year, if a client calls up and says, hey, I want to take a distribution, what can I take? You know, we always give them the, the high end number and anything below that we're perfectly good with. So, you know, typically, obviously, the premium has to be there one year, one day um, for it to be a seasoned premium for a distribution. No different than me owning a stock. Yep. And dividend, you know, after 12 months, I get a long term dividend rate on it. But so th- it's very similar. And, uh, you know, it's not... Um, it's not rocket science there, even though I think sometimes we sound like we are building a rocket ship. That's one thing I don't like about our program is, you know, I want to make it simple. But, yeah. you know, this is a this is a tool that you got to think about. You know, you got to this is a, one of those that you got to work on it, not in it kind of a concept with your business. Yeah. Yep. definitely. So you'd mentioned the claims process. Can you sort of walk walk us through what that typically looks like for a business owner that has a 831B plan in place? Yeah, so our our we have a very defined claims process. It's no different than you would experience if you had a insurance claim with your traditional insurance carrier. Um, you know, there's going to be a adjudication process. There's going to be a, a claims form filled out. There'll be an investigation, an interview, um, the cause and effects, uh, data loss. You know, all of those things. And then, you know, if it's business interruption, we have to actually show that there was a loss of income due to the business interruption whatever that is. Um, so we have a very formal process on that. And and one of the reasons why, you know, I was talking about the second part of the test, and that's really the risk distribution. That's where a lot of people have gotten in trouble um, relating to court cases. 
they make it look like a distribution, but it's really not. Um, we have a very clean, clean and uh, concise, we call them risk co-ops. Our clients are all going to participate in those risk co-ops. Um, you're only going to participate in risk that your business qualifies for. And the best example I always give is foodborne illness. Uh, you know, if you're, you're, you're not going to have foodborne, Ill, excuse me, foodborne illness, business interruption, if you don't sell manufactured food, right? If, you know, if I'm a dentist, I don't sell, I don't sell food, so I wouldn't be in that pool. Okay. Uh, but I may have issues about my brand protection. I mean, we worried about my cyber related to HIPAA violations and all the other things that come in there. So I may be pooled with other industries, um, but it's only specific to my business. And so that's how the risk distribution goes. But that risk distribution also puts us in a fiduciary with our business owners as well, because we want to make sure the claims are first off valid sure. and we can absolutely define what the economic loss was to that business owner. And then it would be, it would work no different than it would work. Um, if again, if I had a fire and I had to rebuild my building, I'm going to get a check from the insurance company. Same thing would happen through our process as well. Very similar. So, okay, good deal. Yeah, that, that's definitely helpful. Um, so one thing, one recent development in the IRS is they've, they've put out these proposed regulations where they want to begin requiring disclosure of 831B plans. And I know from when you and I had talked before, you guys have been handling disclosure going back to at least 2016. So that's routine practice for your, your business with your clients, correct? Absolutely. Yeah. Really no change there on, on your side. No, they call we call it the triple A six form. I mean, it's just a it's a transaction of insurance or a illicit transaction, right? So, yeah. and you know these things are C corps, and so one of the things I've found talking with attorneys that have worked for the IRS and two people that have been agents and auditors, there's the C corps um, that their tax returns nobody they don't really know who owns them, right? Uh, and these are you know these are not your traditional C corps where they're not AT and T and somebody has publicly traded on. And the, on the Dow, right? So the uh, so that's one of the disclosures to me is just find out who the shareholders of these vehicles are. Um, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's a clean thing. I, I think if you only worry about disclosing, if you got something to hide. Yeah. You know, exactly. and I've said this for a long time. We've been doing this since 2016. We just finished up the 2022 tax returns, you know, because they have till October 15th. And a lot of our CPA firms love to wait to the last day to get them back to us, but it's all good. But we just filed those and we filed them all with triple eight sixes. Um, again, tell us if we're doing something wrong, I want to know what it is. First right. of all, um, I think our average, you know, it's one page, the triple eight six form front and back. But, you know, I think our average documents are about 13 additional pages to that. You know, it talks about coverages, how we determine the premiums, you know, the policies that were issued to the client any claims that were paid, um, the investments that were done inside the reserves, if there were loans given out. I mean, all that stuff's to be disclosed up front. And, and I think we're doing an 8275 form as well, uh, recommendation from our legal team as well, that, you know, that also, you know, uh, alleviates any issues in, in forward going for penalties. So um, we're doing everything we can out here. Uh, we wish we would get a little bit more guidelines from the IRS. Um, we're hoping that will come, you know, uh, again, people get upset about the regulate, you know, additional documents and all that stuff. And I, and I get all that to a degree, but uh, I don't mind disclosing it and, and, and we'll continue whether we have to or not uh, right now, as of this year in 2023 tax returns, 
it's not being a requirement to do these AAA six documents. We're we're just taking upon ourselves to do that for our business owners. And uh, again, it's I think more information is better in this regard. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. Uh, you don't have anything to hide; just disclose it. And uh, you know, if you're everything, if you're operating everything above board, then you're going to come out clean. If you ever do have to, uh, yeah, I mean, hey, there, there, this thing's got some tax advantages to it, no doubt. Yeah. That's but you know, Congress created the tax incentive. I, you know, I was talking with a gentleman several several months ago, and he said something to me that I was that I never really thought about before. But then you think, well, maybe that's true. Maybe our tax code's so complicated, but because of our tax code. How much wealth has it created? And, and what, I, what he meant by that was like uh, a 1031 is a good example. I mean, how, because people can do 1031s out of their buildings. Yeah. Stabilizes the value of the buildings, right? Yeah. I mean, it gives you tax advantages to doing a 1031, right? Where you, you, you know, selling a bigger, you now you have to go buy a bigger building and all that. Yeah. So you're taking on more risk to do all that stuff. Exactly. Um, but, you know, that does create incentive for business owners and risk takers to want to go do because why? the rewards that much greater. And yeah. I do think that's a valid argument. I think, you know, we have some very complicated, ta- I, I was dealing with some folks from Lloyd's of London and, and, uh, and they told me, they said, yeah, we love Americans. You know, you guys hate paying taxes. He said, over here, we, we act like it's, we go to cocktail parties and we tell people how many, ta- how much money we paid in taxes. He said, over there, you guys tell them how much less you did pay in taxes. It's a different mindset. I said, yeah, I know that. I think the tea party was a real deal. <laughs> And yeah. I think it's part of our DNA, no doubt about it, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I do think in a lot of ways, it's created a lot of wealth. And, and I think this is one of those vehicles as well that creates incentive for you to manage risk that you have to retain. Yeah. And, yeah. and again, it's, it's worth looking into. I think business owners have taken so much risk to get where they were today. And, and it continues. It's gotten so much more complicated since 1986. Yeah. Uh, that, that, you know, I just, again, it's, and, and hey, you as a small to middle market business owner, you, you've taken a lot of risk. You, you know, you're, you've got responsibilities. I mean, not only to your own family, but to people that work for you. I mean, there's a, a lot of things that go into this stuff today. It's not as, it's not as easy as biz, business decisions as there used to be. I don't know if there ever was an easy business decision. I shouldn't sure, say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, again, it's just, it's just an, a level of education and then being aware. And hopefully, you, and we work with everybody's other trusted advisors. We don't expect you to do this, make decisions in a vacuum. Yeah. I don't think it's ever a good idea to make a decision in a vacuum. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah. You need your CPA on board. You need your financial guys. You need your PNC agent on board. Yeah. You know, you know, get, get fully, do your due diligence and see if it's a good tool for you. Yeah, definitely. So I know we're running up on time, but I did want to ask one final thing. It, you know, looking at some of the different uh, plans out there before, it's like the fee ranges were all over the place. But you guys have a pretty set fee. Um, you're able to give it like a, a much cleaner quote on that cost. And uh, can you just explain a little bit how yours differ from some of the other players in your industry? Yeah. So we so we do a six thousand dollar formation and six thousand dollar maintenance fee, and that does the tax returns, pays the domicile fees, pays for our admin costs, and then there's some retained liability on the front side, and and that's another rabbit hole we can talk about. But one of the things that frustrated me when I first started looking at these plans in 08 and 09 was there was a fixed admin fee and it was like anywhere from 40 to $80,000. I mean, yeah. it, all, and it really it was attorneys that were doing this, law firms that were charging these ridiculous fees to me. Okay. And I guess maybe they get used to charging those fees. I don't know. But yeah. I mean, from a simple world of PNC, I thought that's not, 
that's not, I mean, what are you doing? If they don't fund one year, which a lot of them weren't funding back then, you, you, they're, you're eroding the reserve in principle. You're, you're defeating the reason why they did this. Right. Those tax deferred dollars away so they can handle these types of risks, but you're eroding it. Are you having these outrageous fees? And I just thought that's not a way to, you know, and like I was getting back earlier about competition. I think with any time competition starts coming to the table, you're going to see a compression, compression of fees. And, and believe me, we've driven that bus yeah. to the point where our competitors are now have to come more in line with their fees. And, you know, the reason why they're charging these outrageous fees back in the day is because they could. Yep. And again, that's much harder to do today. I think awareness and all those things have kind of played into the hand of all business owners now to look at these as a valuable tool. Uh, and, you know, we what, fees should never kill the deal when it comes to risk management. And that's what we kind of pride ourselves on. Okay, awesome. So if anyone wanted to learn more, what's the best way for them to find you online or, or reach out? You know, I would say 831B.com. Uh, that's our website. There's a lot of educational videos on there. There's case studies. You can request certain things from us, like legal opinions and all that good stuff. And then our team's there too. I mean, we have a very strong team here locally, but also we have about 200 advisors around the country that represent our products um, that we'd love to introduce you to as well in your local area. But if, other than that, we can, you know, do the one-on-ones, just bring them up to speed. Um, and, and like I said, we would expect to work with all your trusted advisors as a business owner. And, and you know, we don't want you to make a decision in a vacuum. Um, we want you to be fully understand what you're getting involved with. And that's an education process. There's a learning curve to it, no doubt about it. Um, yeah. But, you know, we try to manage that. And really, I would say, I would say starting on our website is probably the best way to go, 831B.com. All right. Awesome. Yeah, 831B.com. I really appreciate you sharing all this information with us today. It's been extremely insightful for myself, and I'm sure it's going to provide a ton of value to the listeners as well. So we'll have to do it again sometime. Absolutely. Appreciate it, Ryan. Thank you. All right. Great talking to you. Thanks a lot. Take care. Bye. So that about does it for this episode of the CPA Zone. Thanks for listening, and I hope you found something valuable that you can take away. We are taking on new clients, and if you'd like to work with us, then go to our website and fill out the client intake form on our contact page. This can be found at thepulisgroup.com forward slash contact. That's T-H-E-P-U-L-I-C-E-G-R-O-U-P dot com forward slash contact.